0: Black check with Griffin and David. Right, check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Black Jack.
1: I think that A, you have a podcast, and that B, not having a podcast is your podcast. Hello. Hi everybody, I'm Griffin Newman. <laughs> I'm Campbell Scott. No, I'm David Sims. Uh, and and with
2: us as always, uh, we're we're the two friends. Wow, you really were jumping in. We're the two friends, and this is a podcast. We're called, trying to move fast. Called We Pod a Cast. We Pod a Cast. What's Whoa. going on there? I, Whoa, I hot a, mic. I hit a I hit a, a chord there. Hot mic, uh, uh, th- which is about it's This podcast is
1: called Blank Check. We Pod a Cast. We're starting late today, so we're trying to catch up. We're trying to make up for lost time. This podcast is called Blank Check. We hear the two friends, David Sims and I, like to talk about directors who have had big successes early on in their careers and spend the rest of their career... Yeah, either cashing or bouncing their blank checks. Exactly. Um, colon, because this is a series made up of mini series. We, yep. we go director by director, cover the filmography, colon, we pod a cast. This is episode two, about one Academy Award winner, Cameron Crowe, the first fetid filmmaker we have discussed on this show. Uh, fetid? Feted. He was feted with an Academy Award. Oh,
2: I see. Of course. Yes, that's feted. true. But he hadn't won it yet when nope. he made the film we're discussing
1: today in 1992. Pictures called Singles. Singles! And I'd say, in, in terms of baseball analogies, I'd say this is about a single. This is an on base single. It's a single. Yeah, it's, it's a little it's a,
2: blooper, you know, <laughs> that like maybe the the shortstop kind of bobbles it, and he yeah. sort of gets it to first base, but he, not he quite got a time. on base. It's not and so. It's
1: like yeah, oh, it's you know, not a strikeout. Golf clap. It's a golf clap. This would uh, be far more impressive as a first movie.
2: Yes. But if he'd made this as his first movie,
1: would Cameron Crowe have gone anywhere? I don't think so. Maybe not. It's just weird because this one feels a bit like a backtrack. In his narrative, I believe
2: this was a bit of a, you know, this was kind of a down period. Like, you know, he had to sort of rebound from this movie.
1: Well, we'll get to this, but I want to talk about the third person in the room right now. Of course, we're hashtag the two friends. But today has been brought to our attention. Why aren't we referring to ourselves as the three buddies? No, no, we're the two friends. We're the two friends. There is always also another... Because what's the title that is more impressive, carries more weight than a friend? If you really care about someone, you don't call them a friend, you call them a producer. That's <laughs> right.
0: <laughs>
1: it's the highest honor you can bestow upon someone. Sure. Producer Ben, a.k.a. Purduer Ben, a.k.a. Yeah. The Ben Ducer, That's a.k.a. Me. The Haas, yeah. a.k.a. The Poet Laureate, a.k.a. Mr. Positive, a.k.a. The Peeper, a.k.a. Birthday Benny. It's actually my birthday on Friday. Hey, Woo! hey now. Boom. A.K.A. the tiebreaker. Once a year, that
3: really works. It really works.
1: A.K.A. the fuck master. That's right. right. He is not, nor will he ever be Professor Crispy. Mm-mm. Well, who knows? Please greet him with a hearty hello fennel if you see him on the street. But also, yes. you should know that he graduates to certain titles at the end of certain certain miniseries, and he is now festooned <laughs> with badges. Adorned <laughs> on them are the names. Producer Ben Kenobi. Kylo Ben. Ben Knight, Shyamalan, mm-hmm. and Ben Sate.
2: Hearing that should make you want to dive into our back catalog and listen to all the reasons those names would have been created. Yeah. Because in episode one, he was Producer Ben. That's Done. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was only that.
3: Out of here. Ooh.
1: Yeah. Um
2: Yeah. Well, hey, guys. Hi. Uh,
3: This is a movie we watched.
1: We definitely watched this yeah. movie. We, yeah. We I watched
3: the
2: movie. It. I watched it on a Sunday morn. Uh-huh. You know. It was an okay way to pass uh, the hours between 8 and 10 a.m., somewhere around there. Might have been 9 and 11 a.m. This is a good shit talking movie. I watched it with my roommates. Oh, and you were making fun. I think yeah, Ben yeah. likes the movie less than us. I think so. Because this to me is like a three star movie. What? No. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: no way. Yeah, two and a half. Three out, out of five a-
1: or three out of four?
2: Five. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm not Roger Ebert.
1: I've made this joke before. I'm no Hallowell's film guy. <laughs> um. So I saw this movie, I was I was trying to explain to a friend of mine last night, because I told him we were talking about this tomorrow, mm-hmm. and he is uh, older. This movie has its fans. Yes. Yeah, so
2: is this your friend? Is he a fan? Was um, it Joe Garden?
1: It wasn't, although it was but while doing my just, show with Joe Garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, my bu- my buddy Chris McCullough was okay. uh, at the show afterwards, and I was talking to him, and he was saying, like... I can't imagine that that movie would have any relevance to because like I grew up like I was the age of those characters when that movie came, sure, out, right, and that felt like an important generational movie. Mm. And I don't even know what it would mean if you saw it like today. But I'll say my girlfriend had never seen it before, and I uh, was like, I can't believe you've never seen *Single*, so we saw it. We rented sure, you, it, right, right. And he was like, This movie means fucking nothing to me now. <laughs> I, I mean, I can
2: buy that this was the movie of like a generation, maybe, but.
1: Even compared to
2: say anything, it has no lasting cultural footprint. It's not like you hear a line in this movie and you go,
1: oh, that's where that line comes from. And here's the thing
2: even you see Dylan and you're like, oh, this is Dylan's best.
1: Yeah. Dylan at his best. Even Bad Cameron Crow movies usually have at least one like classic Crow line. Yeah. You know?
2: And I was looking the Chili Dog line is my favorite line.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but go on. But there, there are a couple that come kind of close, but I was looking at the IMDb page for the quote that I was going to butcher into the intro of the show, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was like, there are a lot of sort of equivalent level quotes in this movie. Like,
2: you know, like, a okay, like, B-minus quotes.
1: Yeah, but there's not, like, a sort of, like, stuck-in-your-craw kind of line. Yeah. And I chose that A one because it felt, like, structurally, I mean, it was funny to be able to use the word podcast three times. No, you you did a good, it was a good quote. And, and honestly, that's a decent line. And the format of that, I kind of it kind of was my favorite line. But I, I did, I mean, so I saw this movie for the first time when I was in high school, and I went through this weird Gen X phase. Mm-hmm. This is definitely trying to be, like, the Generation X movie. But I think Reality Bites is probably more successful than this, right? Reality Bites, it, although that's not
2: a movie that I love, per yeah. se, is way more successful. It tapped into the is thing. It's smarter, that... is yeah. funnier, yeah. is better acted, yeah. and has a story. Yeah. This movie is... A bunch of little jangly bits and pieces.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It doesn't have much to say about anything. And I think. It doesn't have much to. (laughs) Say anything about anything. Yeah. But I think that's the problem. It's like. It doesn't. It feels like Crow is trying to, like, just sort of write, like, very broad and, like, you know, doesn't have any of his weird original voicey stuff in it. Not enough, at least.
1: So this movie was produced by Art Linson. Okay, who's that? Who produced Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Okay. And directed the Wild Side, the Wildlife. Is that what it was called? The one that was like the leftover stuff from Fast Times. Uh it was called the Wild Something, and I'll have more for you on that in a moment. So keep talking. Uh only twenty minutes from now, UCB's wireless network will start doing us some favors. Um, (laughs) Those are the wheels of the wireless turning. The steam starts to like puff. (laughs) He directed that forgotten sort of yeah, Fast right. Times uh, spiritual sequel. Mm. And then if I uh, understand correctly, I believe Crow wrote this screenplay immediately after that. Okay. Arlinson after Fast Times? And and The Wildlife or whatever so it was So like in the mid-80s? Yeah. Okay. okay. He wanted to make this like right in the mid-80s before Say Anything. I think this was originally going to be his mm. debut film. Okay. And they like couldn't get the financing for a while. It was close to getting made. It did not da Da-da-da-da-da. And then after Say Anything when he had some sort of heat, he was like oh the screenplay i wrote 7 years ago we should make this sure and you know i mean it's
2: not it's not an expense like once you no. made say anything like surely you can scrape the money together
1: yeah and that movie was uh was well liked not a massive financial the budget success for this one was yeah. 9 million which is
2: smaller than say anything yeah you know?
1: um and i think uh this makes wildlife a- came out in 84 wildlife okay. yeah. art linson yes um i think this movie makes more sense as a first screenplay do you know what i'm saying yes sure or, like, I know Fast Times was adapting his own book. No, no, but like, no. Here's but... your first original screenplay. Like, Cameron Crow, you're going to try to make a movie. Here's your first strike. I think the mistake was after Say Anything, which is a far better work, to go back to this earlier thing he had. You know, it's kind of consequential. People it like this like... movie, though. I don't want to dismiss this movie because I, I don't do feel it. like it has that little core fan base that I don't either. Uh, speak up for it. And I, I don't want to use, uh, you know, Chris's words to speak for everyone, but he was sort of saying, like, at the time when you were that age, watching that movie, when it came out, it felt like it was something. Right. And watching it now, I'm aware that it, like, didn't crystallize this thing as much, and there are other films that are better time capsules. Than it kind
3: of makes here. me think of this, watching this movie. Remember Kurt Loder on MTV? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. not a cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. Objectively, <laughs> and yeah. all the characters in this movie are super not cool. I would say, for the most part, I guess like uh, I don't know. I, we can get into it, but yeah. overall, I feel like it's just like a bunch of like really unhip, like young people that are supposed to be
2: cool or something. Well, then, they're you know proto yuppies mostly, but like yeah. that's that's the generation. That's but, the, you know what it's about. I mean, know? not to keep
1: on comparing yeah, to reality.
3: No man. Yeah,
2: there man, were there were punks. No, the er- <laughs> Cyberpunk the the early 90s yeah. Early nineties is like yeah, it's post Reagan. Everyone's like, yeah. I'm gonna go be a graphic designer. No man, there's like cool mm-hmm. zine culture, sure, especially in the well, Pacific yeah. Not what this
3: Northwest. Is about. Yeah, no, well, this is not about not. that. They're talking yeah. about a bunch of fucking uh, soon-to-be yuppie uh, jerkoffs. But but
1: when Cameron yeah. Crowe wrote the screenplay, yeah. the thing he Cameron interested... Crowe writes about
3: yuppie jerkoffs. Yeah,
1: I just want to make yeah. that like oh, that is what he always
2: actually, writes. About. You're right. Yeah. though. Yeah. That That's is true. Cameron Crowe's wheelhouse.
1: When Cameron Crowe wrote the screenplay, apparently the whole thing was he wanted to try to capture this like scene that was emerging in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, the grunge scene, the, and like, not the cool grunge scene, like the Pearl Jam grunge right. scene, you know. Like, but this was yeah. like mid-80s into late 80s, and when they started filming the movie, I mean the sort of anecdote that explains the weird timeline of this movie was, this movie took a while to get made, and then once they shot it, uh, Warner Brothers didn't know how to release it, and they kept on a shelf for like over a year.
2: Yeah, right, because they didn't know what to do with it. And then, suddenly, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, <laughs> Soundgarden, they all hit. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's true,
1: and, like, Eddie Vedder's in this fucking movie, and, like, all
2: these people are in
1: this movie. They shot this movie before Nevermind was released, right? and by the time they were, like, finishing up the movie, they couldn't afford the rights to any of the tracks off of Nevermind anymore. And it's, like, that's, like, the film ended up being released just in time to look like it was sort of, like, cashing in on a wave, Mm. when it was really, like, he was way before it, Mm. and maybe wasn't as tapped into it as... The public want. Like, this film doesn't feel like I mean, it was remember, made in the remember. wake of a cultural movie. He's because a music it was,
2: writer, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And it feels like he was just making a movie about a couple people he knew in Seattle well, rather than like a movement, you know? Here's which thing. he wasn't. That's my point. I mean, it's not held against him.
2: No, it's. But, but the music stuff in this movie is an afterthought. Yeah, which Matt is. Matt Dillon's character is the biggest afterthought. Yeah. He has no plot. Yeah. They try to conjure a plot about him like getting a bad review and like maybe his band's not going to go anywhere, but there's no plot.
1: But he's maybe the best performance.
2: Oh, no, I don't think so. I I wouldn't even put really? him in the top 5. Yeah. He he did nothing for me. He's fine. See,
1: I like him in this movie and I think the weird thing with this movie is and this also feels like a relic of Crow in like an immediate post Fast Times phase. Sure. Is like that character feels like a real Spicoli to me. Oh. Yeah. No. You know? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's as good as Spicoli, but I no, think there's a similar not. dynamic where it's like, okay, you got a couple straight characters what? and then you got one guy who's like a what little more do? like
2: He's got a Uh I, I don't agree. I think he's a flop if you're going to compare him to that. Because he doesn't come in and change the movie at all. Like He doesn't do I'm, anything. I'm not saying
1: he's anywhere near as good as McCauley. I'm but saying I think a character functions in a similar way within how? the film. But do? in a very muted way. Very muted. <laughs> yeah, he's very muted. It's, by muted you mean it's on mute.
2: Like, li- there's yeah, no sound. I like him in this. I, like <laughs> him. I don't dislike him. I just think he's kind of doing like a am a stone guy. Yeah, a little bit of an airhead performance. Yeah, maybe I just... He, like, like, talks to the camera, but, like, only later, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa he's talking to the camera now?
1: But it opens with Kira Cedric talking to the camera. <laughs> it it does. I mean, I guess the idea is that there are four main characters, but he's the least fleshed out of the four. He's the yes. one who doesn't have his own sort of inner life, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, Fonda is also not... We'll get to her. But, but it, his first bill. I
2: just... Yeah, no, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, the billing is hard to, to make out. You're like, oh, is this an alphabetical? No, because Cedric's... Yeah. You know, like, this is Campbell Scott's second build.
1: All right. But, um. That's another weird thing with this movie is that, like, you look at Fast Times, it's like, okay, that movie's beautifully cast, right? Great. Great cast. And, like. Great cast. Down, like, the guys you know and the guys you don't know. They're all great. But it definitely feels like, you know, some of those people were bigger at the time the movie was released. Some of them popped 10 years later. later, Some of them are at their biggest now. But, like, it's a collection of actors. You mean Reinhold? Yes. At at his biggest now. Right. That's a collection of, you know, people who, like, Made marks in yeah, cinema. Absolutely. And same with Rally Bites. And it's like, oh, yeah, you, you watch this and you're like, yeah, they had a good eye. Yeah. They had a good eye. And you watch Say Anything and there's the similar thing with Cusack where it's like, man, they got fucking Sack. And this movie's fascinating to me because it's like, okay, here's and like, Mahone. Yeah. They own Mahone. They own Mahoney. This movie's fascinating. <laughs> I'm bringing that to me. joke back. <laughs> yeah. Unbreakable. This movie's fascinating <laughs> no. to me. Yes. No. Yes, yes. 100%. yes. 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 All right. All right. All right. Fine. Unbreakable. And do me a favor, yeah. right after us chanting yes and convincing you to put in yeah, Unbreakable... Fingered? Yeah, can we get fingered
0: quick? <laughs> sure. Fingered. God damn it. <laughs> Finger. yes.
1: That was you.
3: That was all you, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, but we, do we need to call it back?
1: Yeah, 100%. Okay. Create a mythology here, Ben.
3: You're right, you're right.
1: The Blank Um The thing that's fascinating to me about this movie is the four leads in this movie are four people who didn't really... Become movie stars in the way that people expected them to. No,
2: although none of them became nothing. They were. No. They're all still floating around. And Kate yeah. Kira Cedric, Emmy winner.
1: Oh, closer for the, for the closer. She closed. Yeah, for the closer. She was yeah. always the closest. The show where she always goes, "Hey, come a little closer." Um, no, I can't what, hear
2: you. Come a little closer. What I want to say is, <laughs> like, close. if I tell you, "Hey, singles," it yeah. was a, it was a Cameron Crowe movie, and you're yeah. like, "Okay." It's set in Seattle during the grunge scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's called Singles. Is it about? Is it about rock music? Yeah. No, no, no. Like little single apartments. Oh. Yeah, there's these like houses that had little single apartments. Yeah. For singles, because they're singles. Well, do they do any music? No. Nah.
1: No, nah, they they go to a concert. One of the fours in a band. Two He's in, in the a band. You don't they really see them performing. But it feels like a perfect movie to have a double-meaning title. Like, you're like, oh, it should be singles, thing, and it right. should be based around them buying, like, cassette singles. Cassingles. singles. What if it was called singles?
2: I mean, I would love it.
1: Maybe a prequel.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what if Cameron Crowe
1: today was like, guys, my next project, Ka-singles. I For years, people <laughs> have been approaching me asking me when I would revisit the word of singles. <laughs> and now is the time. So, but you know what I'm saying? It's like interesting because there are four actors who, like, None of them, I mean, I guess Dylan was the most Dylan, established at that point. He was
2: already a big star, because he'd yeah. been around for 10 years doing his sort of teen stuff. He'd been in, you know, the,
1: uh, Francis Ford Coppola,
2: you know, the Sassy Rumblefish Hinton and movies, and he'd and, been yeah. in, uh, what else he, let's take a look, he'd been in, uh, you know, the the, the Flamingo Kid. Yeah. And Drugstore Cowboy. right? And, yeah, yeah, oh, you know.
3: Love he, Drugstore
1: Cowboy. Yeah. He had done a lot of work, but then he sort of dips a little
2: bit after this movie. He, a real dip, and then, like. He has that late 90s, like to die for. There's something about Mary. Like, he comes little back as a comedy blip, guy. Yeah. But then that doesn't, you know, wild things. But then right. that doesn't stick either.
1: And then he comes back with Crash and he, he comes back with Crash and people, and people are, people like, are like, it's going to have Supporting happen.
2: actor. And then uh, literally, I'm looking at his Wikipedia credit yeah. right now, and five movies in a row are direct to VR. <laughs> he <laughs> that did sucks so does. He does.
3: Uh, which is a yeah, a Bukowski, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that
2: was right around the same time as Crash. And he's great in it. yeah, and and again, you were yeah, you were thinking like, this. yeah, I you, do- me and
1: Dupree, yeah, these are old I mean, dogs. he I will say he's really good in old dogs, and I'm not just saying that, okay. I'm not just saying, but look even like, okay, so his film's coming up right after Crash or Loverboy, which is directed by Bacon with Kira Sedgwick. fact Totem, uh-huh. which is the Bukowski movie. Then you go, Herbie fully loaded.
2: Oh you, me, God. and Dupree. He's, he's the lead sort of person in there, or
1: is he the villain? Is Keaton the lead dad guy? Keaton's the is the dad, Lindsay yeah. Lohan's I mean, dad in Lindsay's the movie, the lead, yeah. and and uh, Matt Dillon is the evil racer. And this is that's yeah, that's a movie. Yeah, uh, right. And then okay, so then he does nothing but the truth. But that's sort of the only drama, like, real drama he does after Crash, you know? Yeah. He does a lot of casting oh, he's in stuff.
2: Armored. Remember Armored? But that's like an action movie. Yeah, no, I know. But yeah, least, it, yeah,
1: Takers is a similar, like, Oh yeah, That's the one where kinda, uh, yeah. Hayden has his little hat. That's Hayden's Hat the movie. Hayden's Hat the movie. Oh, look at me, I got a hat on. And then it just, it, my, it just went away. Again.
2: You know, Dylan's had a funny career. and All these guys have had funny careers. I mean, you know, Bridget Fonda who I think is pretty good in this movie. And I'm quite fond of her. I'm quite fond of her. She looks wonderful. She's so cute. Um, One comedy point.
1: of Bridget. <laughs> And,
2: you know, she had just been in Doc Hollywood and Single White Female, so she was, like, a
1: big deal. Oh, wow. I didn't realize this was right after SWF. Uh, I think it's the same year. SWF, yeah. Uh, And then, you know, then you've got It Could Happen to You, which I think is a cute
2: movie. Yeah, she's cute in that. Then she's in, like, a bunch of crap that, like, was supposed to be good, like to Wellville, The Road to Wellville. And then she's in Jackie Brown, and you're like, yeah, like, Quentin got a really good performance out of her here. This is great. And that was that. Like, yeah. And never was she heard from again.
1: Was her last film ever Monkey Bone? Is that possible? Uh,
2: no, because she was also in things called Kiss of the Dragon and The Whole Shebang the same year, but I've never heard of those. so Kiss might as of the well. Dragon
1: was a Jet Li movie. That was the first American Jet Li vehicle. Yes. And
2: she's to- uh, second build.
1: Yes. On the poster, Bridget Fonda. Yeah. Kiss of the Dragon. Uh, and then I don't know Whole Shebang. And that's the last thing she ever did? Uh, the Whole Shebang is a movie by George Zaloom. But does her career end? In- that's it. That's yeah. it. Literally, it's yeah. over. She's married to Danny Elfman now, mm-hmm. and she doesn't do anything. Just Takes it easy. I loved her. I thought she, she was a, kid. a really, really winning screen present. I think
2: she's cute in this. I, yeah. I do think the movie gives her pretty short shrift for most of the movie. Yeah. At the end, it kind of turns her into a real character, like in the last two scenes, and you're like, yes. oh, where was this during the whole boob job subplot?
1: Yeah, which we'll talk Whoa, about Oh, boy. But I, uh, I watched uh, Jackie Brown with my sister. Um, it's one
2: of my favorite movies. I My favorite Quentin Tarantino movie by a mile. I love my that movie.
1: second favorite film of this, but I think that movie's a masterpiece. Sure. What's number one? Uh, Inglourious Bastards. Yeah, it's a good movie. I go Inglourious Bastards and then Jackie Brown. But um, I watched it with her, and she just, like, from the first scene, my sister was like, who's this? Who's that? Yeah, right, right. Like, Bridget is so good in that and so controlled and so understated. And it's a really interesting character. Totally. In a small supporting part, and it feels She's like- good, a A real kind of reinvention for her. Mm-hmm. And it was like amazing because like because none of her movies, even if she was kind of big with all this promise at the time, if you're born in nineteen ninety-eight like my sister is, you don't grow you, up
2: watching Zero Bridget right. Fonda. No, you have no, no awareness of her. The name Fonda might mean something to you. You might have heard that there She's are movie stars Peter with the Fonda name movies, Fonda. But
1: that. she hasn't seen Bridget yeah, well, Fonda. We've all seen Yuli's gold. Yeah.
2: You know, we all when we're young, when we're five or six, <laughs> our parents sit us down and they're like, Okay, it's time. it's time. Time for you to see it. Time for you to see Yuli's gold. You're
1: finally old enough to dig for gold. Uh, but, um, it, it's interesting, like, to watch something like that, and, like, Romley's reaction was very much like, why don't I know who this person is?
2: Because she, she, yeah. you know, she cut it out. She, she stopped.
1: Uh, Kira Sedgwick, the role was originally supposed to be Jennifer Jason Lee.
2: Uh, that was his idea, but she turned it down. Yeah. Uh, and of course, weirdly enough, she had, she's in Single White Female with Bridget Ponda the same year. And it
1: had been in Fast Times at Richmond High. Well,
2: obviously, that's, uh, I'm sure that's what he was thinking. Yeah. And
1: then, uh, Jodie Foster
2: and Robin Wright Penn were considered for mm-hmm. the part, Both but would be excellent. Bridget, I mean, Kyra Kira got it, and I think yeah. she's good in the movie. I think she's fine. I think
1: she's pretty good. I I think... Um, she had been in Born on the 4th of July. That was her big yeah breakout. I think Campbell Scott, this is coming right after uh, uh, Dying Young, which, you know, Premiere yeah. Magazine predicted would be the highest-grossing film of that year. Yeah, he was in um, uh, Longtime Companion,
2: uh, yes. which is this, like, sort of... Uh, Early gay uh, AIDS crisis movie. movie. You yeah, know, it's not that good, but it's sort of an interesting little artifact. And then Dying Young, right, which is awful. Yeah, but was supposed to be a yeah, huge. No, hit no, it. with with uh, uh, Julia Roberts. Yes,
1: and I think he got cast on the heat of that sure. of them presuming that movie would be big. Yeah. Um, I I think both of them. I I think he's all
2: right. Campbell Scott is. I think uh an A plus top shelf actor. But he is not good in a role of, like, a nice, normal guy who wants to
1: find a girlfriend. He's not a movie star. Like, that's he doesn't, not his thing. He doesn't have that spark. And I think Kira Sedgwick is a fine actress, too. But I think... That, yeah, like I think she's good For at a this. movie like this that's so she's much ab- about personality, yeah. because there's not much of a plot or any plot whatsoever. Yeah. And there's no real hook to it. You need people who just got some sort of wattage, you know? And, like, yeah. Bridget Fonda, you watch her, and it's like, okay, Kira Sedgwick and Campbell Scott are both better actors than Bridget Fonda. Bridget Fonda has that thing. When she's in scenes, you're kind of engaged, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is a movie where you need sort of charisma. I mean, I do think there's something, too, if you look at this movie and you go, like, okay, scattershot, a lot of characters, mm-hmm. different plot lines, trying to capture a city and a time and an age group, and you have one outside character. I could see how in 1984, Cameron Crowe wrote the script as, like, Seattle, Fast Times. Like, here's Fast Times with 20-somethings. Sure. And then post-Say Anything, he was like, oh, I think I found who I am as a director. It's a little more calm. Yeah, a little it's more rom com Yeah. You know, yeah. And then, like, filtered it through that. But you could see how um, Amy Heckerling could have directed the script in, like, 1985, and it was, like, a comedy.
2: It This movie should be a little more bubbly and, like, lively. Agreed. And, and I just wanted Campbell Scott. Though, you don't like Campbell Scott?
0: I like uh, him. What I like
2: him is that he rejects Hollywood right after this, pretty yes. much. Because he makes Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle, which he's really good at. Yeah. He makes Big Night Directs with the tooch. Yeah. Directs it with the tooch. Writes stars. Big tooch. Love a touch of the tooch.
1: Oh, Always a touch
3: of the tooch. the He's the
2: star of The Spanish Prisoner, which is bonkers. Yep. And then he's in, like, doesn't do anything for a while, a bunch of shit I've never heard of, and then he's in Roger Dodger, which is right. an amazing performance.
0: Yeah, uh, I need to rewatch that movie. Great movie. I didn't like it when I saw it,
2: but I was young. And then in the same year, uh, maybe the next year, Secret he's in lives The Secret of Dentist, Lives of Dentists, which is a great performance. I like that movie a lot. Movie. I
1: think he's excellent in that. I like that movie a lot. You know who else is good in that
2: movie? Uh, yeah, Dennis Leary. Our boy Dennis yeah, Leary. I mean, he's yeah, he's really good.
1: Um, And then since then, he's come back, and now he does like these sort of small parts in Hollywood movies, like he's in Spider-Man, he's in stuff, you know. The Amazing Spider-Man, too. Mm-hmm. And one. Yeah, and he's been on 55 episodes of Royal Pains, I found out today on his IMDb. Did not know that. 55 episodes of Royal Pains. Look, you're an actor
2: and you hear the pitch for Royal Royal Pains. Yeah.
1: You got to jump at that. Yeah. He's a doctor on the beach. Does he wear shoes? Nope. (laughs) Does he practice medicine? Yep. Why is it called Royal Pains? Because rich people are annoying. Yeah. Uh uh no, I'm not I'm not uh uh you know uh throwing shade on him being in royal paints. He's just got a very interesting career. I think he's a good actor. I don't think he's like a capital M movie star that this movie needs. You no. need a sack. Yeah. And he's so uh Campbell Scott You is, need a sack. Campbell Scott is very thoughtful.
2: He's a weird little yeah, yeah. And he, and
1: he's very muted. He's one of those actors who's good at showing you uh him thinking. Yes. Uh, and, yeah. And here's another thing with Campbell Scott. Campbell Scott got better when he got older because he always felt like he was 47 years old.
2: Totally. Oh, I just remembered. I just saw him on Broadway in Noises Off. Oh, how was he? <laughs> Amazing. So funny. Yeah. He was the director, yeah. which is a funny, you know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He was really good. But you know really what I'm good.
1: saying? Like, you watch him in this movie yeah, no, and he's yeah. supposed to be sort of like a young dude. And I watched him the whole time and I'm like, you seem like you're 47. Like, you're so subdued.
3: Yeah. You know? I, I kind of felt like that with the uh, Kira Sedgwick's characters. I think character both of them,
1: well. you know, for a movie that's supposed to be about sort of like a generation on the rise, both of them feel like grown-ups.
3: There was a part where they're on a park bench, but it's yeah. a close shot and I was like joking out loud I'm like, are they at a soccer game right now? Yeah. <laughs> like a kids soccer game? Yeah. Like yeah. I felt that way for sure.
1: They definitely feel too old. I think it's a, a, both of their energies are too mature. Yeah. And then the Bridget Fonda subplot does feel like, oh, she's like a kid. She's figuring it out, you know? But the two of them, it's like, yeah, why not get married? You're like 47, right? Uh, okay, let's try I mean, there's no real plot to this movie. Let's talk about the characters, I guess, and their respective plot lines. Yeah,
2: there's two maiden plot
1: lines-ish,
2: and then a couple sort of
1: sidelines.
3: I, mean, I, I want to talk about 90s technology. <laughs> you want to
1: do
0: <laughs> Ben's, <laughs> Ben's 90s Ben's technology Tech corner? corner? Yeah. yeah, we can get to that What later? do you got?
3: Well, I mean, I mean, do we want to talk about the breast program? Oh God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's. Yeah. Okay. So. Alright. So
2: one eight, one plot is Bridget Fonda. <laughs> yeah. Young woman in
1: her twenties. She's got a short haircut. Twenty three. There you go. And she says, "I want to do something ridiculous before I get too old, because I feel like uh, when you're twenty five, ridiculous becomes." Yeah, embarrassing or something said, and like, and that. I'm like, a like that. She's like 30,
2: and I'm watching this, and I'm like, God, fuck you. Uh, and like Matt Dillon, she's she's got this on-off thing with Dylan. He Matt Dillon's character, he won't commit to her. He's like, I'm still
1: seeing other people. He's in a band cool, called right? Citizen Dick. He thinks he's fucking above it all, and she's madly in love with him. Campbell Scott's her like, uh, her next door neighbor, yeah, their neighbor like best pals, friend, and he's yeah. like, Come on, you don't need to be hung up on a guy like this. And she decides That's a decent Campbell Scott. Yeah, it was pretty good.
2: It's pretty yeah. good. And Listen, she, come on. Yeah, <laughs> she decides that a problem. With Dylan, you know, with Matt Dylan not liking her is that she's too flat chested. That's what it is.
0: Yeah. So that's the ticket. I mean, she she goes, did
2: ask him, and he said
3: uh, sometimes. Sometimes it's
2: actually one of his best moments in the movie. I eh? so, so you so. you watch him try to anticipate how to react to this question when she's yeah. like, "Are my are my boobs too yeah. small for you?" And he's like,
1: uh,
2: "You know," and it,
1: and that's the funniest sometimes. answer too. Yeah, it's a funny yeah. answer. Uh, so yeah, that that scene is there, like in his apartment, and she's like shirtless on top of him, and she's looking around the walls, and every, like, sure, he's got collaged got, uh, big boobs in the, all uh, these women right. on the walls. It's like rock stars. It's the and, early
2: yeah. 90s, you know? What can you say? It was a different time. Yeah. Uh, so she decides to get a boob job, and she... On a waitress's salary.
1: <laughs> yeah, they never really go into that.
2: <laughs> she, Installments. She'll pay an
3: installment. Oh, sure. I just sure.
1: Felt like there should have been a scene where she calls up her rich mom. Sure. And she's like, I need this for uh, student loans. Sure. Like, if you gave me one scene like that where it's like, okay, she's money out Just give me one scene like that. Because I kept on thinking about it, especially when they go to the computer and the technology is so state-of-the-art. Oh, yeah. This Way is no back alley boob job.
2: She goes to see a boob doctor played by... <laughs> Dr.
1: Bill Pullman. Dr. Pullman. Dr. Pullman.
2: And, and he shows her a program that, uh, I guess they've Full body scanned her boobs. I, yeah, I, I it's don't like know. A and he like enlarges the. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a wireframe like model yeah. of her chest. And he's like, "How about this?" And she's like, "Boop, boop, boop, yeah. boop." Like until there's, sort of, you know. Caught, can be like comically and He's large. like, yeah, I don't know, but let's, let's like, scale it down, down a little right, bit. And break. she's like, nope. Yeah, they just brr, brr. keep
1: on going like up and down. And he's like, well, in your frame, that might look a little natural. What about this? Boom, 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 boom. And she's like, but I really want to win him over. Boom, And he's like, do you jog? And she's like a little bit. And he's like, and he's like <laughs> They go back and forth and back and forth. Uh, I felt so uncomfortable during this scene. Which I, I think is actually to this movie's credit. Like it makes me feel really, really uncomfortable when she's gonna do that. Like I, I uh I get angry at her mm-hmm. in a way I think the movie wants you to, where it's like, come on, dump this guy like don't don't, you know, change yourself for him and then that scene where Bill Pullman is not the most elegant scene. No. But the scene where Bill Pullman sort of like shakes it into her and is like, Come on, you don't need to fucking change for some guy. Who doesn't appreciate you the way you are? You feel like, yeah, yeah, thank you.
3: Those graphics, though, man, you just don't get graphics like that
2: anymore. No, have you tried to get a boob job recently, Ben? No, <laughs> I was just wondering. Like, you know, what I needed was graphics. That's why I didn't do it. You know,
3: it's yeah.
1: just the graphics. What's word the, there. What's the
2: program like,
1: yeah. though? They po- brought out a charcoal drawing of what your body would look like with the boobs, and you went, "I can't see it." Yeah, Pullman is such a
2: weird uh, career. Well, yeah, but yeah. like member of this cast because he's already been in Spaceballs. Like, yeah, he's already around. He and, was in the Accidental Tourist. And uh, what about uh, two times in a row? We've mentioned that movie. Yeah. Uh, while Not in a row, while though. you
1: were sleeping, has he been in that? No, already?
2: that's later. That's ninety five. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. He's in Newsies. He's in A League of Their Own. Yeah, the he's end. got
1: a weird career.
2: He's in Sleepless in Seattle the next year. So, I mean, he plays it dope. And in this, he kind of plays it dope, too, because there's the implication that he's got a bit of a crush on Fonda. Yeah. And you think that's where it's going. Yeah. But in the end, all he does is, like, sort of tell her, like, look, I don't usually do this, but uh, I don't think you need a boob job and you shouldn't do it, which is fucking ludicrous. Yeah. He, it's literally the one thing he does is breast augmentation. Yeah. He's not going to be like, after all this, be like, look. Everyone else who comes in here, I just you know I shove those little you know silicon patties in there. But you, <laughs> yeah. Bridget Fonda, you're a movie star. You you're don't perfect need perfect no, the way you uh, are. Yeah. Uh, Come she kiss him on man. the cheek. It's such horseshit.
1: Uh, she changes the part. Let her get a boob job or not? I hair. don't fucking care. Um, there is uh, a what, what was I going to say about Bill Pullman? Uh, I totally blanked on this. Oh, Michael Showalter, that movie The Baxter. Uh-huh. He said he, like, based that movie off the Bill Pullman, like, early 90s. Sure, the, the Pullman character. oeuvre. Right, because he always fulfilled this role of, like, the guy who makes the girl realize who she right. should actually be with. Right. And usually it's, like, he's the guy she's with at the beginning. Yeah,
2: right. Well, Pullman's role in Sleepless in Seattle, of course. Right. It's a classic example. Yeah, But but this— You got your Greg Kinnear in— uh, uh, You some, got Mail. And you got Mail. Yeah. And— uh, a bunch of other fucking movies, isn't he? Is this isn't Greg Kinnear play that role in Someone Like You? I feel like Greg Kinnear's played that role. Yeah, like five does different he? Times. She leaves him
1: for Jackman. Is yeah, that what I happens think,
2: in that movie? I think Kinnear is a more of a villain in Someone Like. I think he okay. might cheat on her as well, <sighs> and that's with Jackman. Of, yeah, yeah, Kinnear and Jackman get together. It's great.
1: Um, but uh, in this movie, he doesn't even get to be with her. Like usually, no, he has a no. relationship, and then he makes her realize who she should be with. Mm-hmm. In this, he's just like, "Look, I'm going to give you some tips for your own date advice." and then you can just leave my office. Yeah, goodbye, I'll take none of your money. Uh, I regret saying that uh, Matt Damon was the best performance in the movie, because I did realize what the best performance was. James Legros? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> he's great. The number one best performance in this movie is Paul Giamatti. Oh, he's good. Oh, Mr. Wrong. Oh, Mr. Wrong ben with Ellen DeGeneres. He's just holding up a phone. He's not saying anything. He's just holding up a phone with the poster for Mr. Wrong oh,
2: We remember Mr. Wrong. But Mr. Wrong, isn't that sort of like a, like, subtle coming out film for Ellen DeGeneres or yeah. whatever because I mean look at that poster where she's <laughs> horrified at the idea of getting married to Bill Pullman and Bill Pullman looks like a serial killer on this poster 100%. I can't deny it but yeah. still I mean Jesus he's still a hes
1: a nice young man Bill yeah. Pullman <laughs> uh, that movie- she is screaming aloud <laughs> yeah that poster is upsetting <laughs> Uh movie is directed by uh, the guy who played
2: the uh, the shape in Halloween. No, but
1: this was the bigger thing I wanted to point out. Director of The Last Starfighter. Right. That's uh that's uh you know, that's a great career. Yeah. Last Starfighter.
0: Boy who
2: could fly Dance the Dance Menace. Dance the menace with Walter Matthau. Wow, we're off top.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: anyway. Um no, James LaGrosse is great in this movie. Giamatti is amazing in this. Giamatti movie.
2: is amazing because it's like the joke is that they're sitting next to this couple that are making out. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you know, I get it. I've I've been in that situation, PDA. You know, yeah. it can be annoying. And then they break, and Giamatti is the guy in this making out couple. Yeah. And you're like, whoa!
1: And he's got one word. He's got one word the entire film. He goes, yeah. what? What? Oscar. Yeah. He's great.
3: I mean, I maybe was not paying attention very closely, but I would had this moment where I did kind of a double take. And was like, is that Giamatti sucking face? <laughs> Giamatti I mean. sucking
1: face. That's the best part. Finest for me, film critic is like because because he's introduced making out. Yeah, he is our finest film critic. Yes. Uh, when when he's introduced making out, you're only seeing like slivers of his face. So you're like, the, maybe no, no, that could be. is the timing work out? And then he looks you straight in the eyes. And he goes, what? Um James Chilling. Legros is another interesting example in this film of one, someone who uh, people Legros, thought was gonna be a movie star and uh, it didn't happen.
2: James LeGro, no, but my argument with James Legros is he can't help but play weirdos. He loves yes. it. So good at can't it. Can't play normal people. Hollywood would occasionally, especially on TV, try to squirm him into like a more of a classic, just sort of like a handsome dude role. a yeah, handsome
1: dude. Yeah.
2: Uh he is. He's I think he is he's one of my favorite character actors. Whenever he's in a movie, I fucking lose my mind. Talking about
3: the guy with the African hat?
2: Yeah, the guy with the ponytail and the glasses. The guy who is the oh, ex of uh, Kira, Kira, Kira Sedgwick. No, 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 okay. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. kind of her hippie, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm
1: talking had, about the yes. friend. Right, at the, at the coffee shop. Uh, mm. who's, he's the other guy who's, like, talking to Campbell Scott about shit. And he's got the little, like, skull cap on. He's played by the guy who played Buzz in uh, uh, Hudsucker Proxy. You mean Jim True Frost? Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's Prez on The Wire. But I guess you guys didn't watch The Wire. Oh, That's yeah. He's yeah, a Steppenwolf yeah. guy. That's okay. he. So he's probably from, uh, he's a pal of uh, Johnny Cuse. From Chicago? Yeah, from Chicago. The pivs? Uh pal of the pivs. Yeah. Uh, he is, you know, he was in like the original cast of August O'Sage County. Good actor. Oh, yeah. Guy. Yeah, he's a good actor. He's, a little, he, he's fine in this because he, he's got the look of yeah. uh, douchebag yuppie who's uh, got a soul patch. and uh,
1: Yeah, so the ash. home base of this movie is like the coffee shop. Uh, where uh, Bridget Fonda and Matt Dillon work. It's one of, like, Matt Dillon's six jobs. Yes. He, he also delivers flowers. Yeah. And uh, does some other stuff. I don't know. Yeah, some other bullshit. <laughs> uh, Citizen Dick. And then, um... <laughs> and then, uh... Campbell Scott goes there all the time. Now yeah. The skull caps the I other employees. Kind of. This is the thing. Yeah.
2: Like, you think, oh, is it gonna be them hanging out in the coffee shop? And, like, Cameron Crowe famously said, like, that Friends was a rip-off of Singles. But, like, there's, like, two or three scenes in the coffee shop. Like, yeah. It's not enough, you know? Yeah. Not enough, like, of a culture to this movie.
3: And But then it's also not centered around
1: the apartment buildings, really. Not really. really. No. I mean, you know, they're in them sometimes. Right. But then you have you have the other character who is the woman who's, like, desperately trying to find a boyfriend. The one with the uh, red hair. You, what a great storyline. Well, that's the thing. It's, like, she's sort of just, like, tossed in there. And, like, you see all these points where the movie could be, she, like. Uh,
2: Sheila Kelly. Yes. As Debbie Hunt, yeah.
1: Uh, who I like is an actress.
2: Yeah, she's she was on LA Law. I don't know, I don't know her very well. Let's uh she
1: it. she's a matchstick man. Oh yeah. So uh, she is. Yeah, so she, she is. plays. Apparently
2: uh, she was in The Guest, which is a great movie.
1: She's the mom in that. There you go. Yeah, she's great in that.
3: It's weird her character, but I really liked when it's she so went heightened. to get a haircut and she had all of these like previous styles yeah, yeah, and like all the printouts. Again, guys, printouts, printers, color ink. <laughs> You ben, know what I'm talking Ben's, about? Ben has 90s
2: just technology. Got a hard for 90s technology. Yes. Have you ever seen the film Disclosure? No. Oh,
0: Ben would love. Would Disclosure. you
2: love this movie? It's a movie that has multiple scenes set in quote virtual reality unquote, and they are not very well done. I'm Disclosure. It down now. <laughs> Imagine a wireframe like. Uh, humanoid model moving like it's like sliding towards you but Demi Moore's face has been like put on it like a
1: pixelated face of Demi Moore
2: I'm on board
3: yeah.
1: Disclosure is a movie from the 90s that had the courage to ask what if a woman sexually harassed a man that And is it, correct now you you're looking at me shocked and they were thinking
2: jaw agape who what? should be in this maybe like a a real subtle comedian who definitely is not uh, not politically correct. A very politically like Dennis Miller. <laughs> oh, I just showed my him God. the uh, the VR.
1: Have you seen Disclosure? Yes, it's so uh, bad. So, movie. so they used the VR to try to figure out what the sexual harassment was because, like you, they couldn't even process the idea of a woman sexually harassing a man. So they go, "We're going to use our computers, top of the line computers, supercomputer to, <laughs> to see how it went down." Yeah, it's mm-hmm.
2: not like the NBC TV show Supercomputer. No. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry.
1: But we should maybe we
2: should do a whole series of like '90s tech movies, like The Lawnmower Man, yeah. oh, like I all would these love movies that. with Ben.
3: Yes. Yeah, so bad. Uh,
1: uh, the Net. Oh, The Net.
3: Hackers. I just want. Hackers. I just want a movie where at one point a character goes, "Excuse me,
1: I have to
2: send a fax." <laughs> Johnny John Mnemonic would be great. I
3: love yeah.
1: that movie. Um There's this thing in the movie, though, where you could see a movie where it's like, the core of this movie is the singles apartment. Here are eight singles who live, and they're all their separate plot lines. Or it could be, here are people, they all overlap in the coffee shop. Or uh, make the chapters work for each character or each story. the chapters are totally arbitrary. It's so stupid. Every 20 minutes, they just have, like, a still image of something and a quote that's going to be uttered later in the movie. I hate that. I hate that. Yeah. Again, it
2: just—it feels like this movie's reaching for a structure a lot, and they're not quite committing to it.
1: It's very scattershot. And by the way, I mean, Fast Times doesn't have a structure. Are people
2: going to be mad at us that we're shitting all over this movie? It's not that bad. No, it's not that bad. I didn't dislike watching it. It just didn't leave me with much emotion, whereas Say Anything leaves me with so much. And- Jerry Maguire does yeah. as well. Like, yeah. in, you know, it, this movie's just in between those. But you
1: know what I'm saying? That, like, Fast Times is very scattershot and it doesn't have a plot, but it is much more panoramic. Mm-hmm. Its scope is much broader. You can a lot risks. more people and it takes risks.
2: It takes storytelling risks, whereas this is like Bridget Fonda is like,
1: Mimi, I should get a boob
2: job. And Bill Tolman's like, Don't get a boob job. And she's like, All right. Okay. And then she's like, I'm over you, Matt Dillon. And he's like, I realized I love you.
1: But the Sheila Kelly thing feels so tacked on when it's like, two like four main characters sure. that are coupled off into two couples so yeah it's really just two stories right. with a little overlap right and then you just have this other person and and it's like either you need sprinkling sp- it
2: in yeah you need like
1: three more people or you need like two less people there's this
2: joke and like god help us when the fucking tinder movies start populating the theaters yeah. because there's this joke that she tries this like video dating service where she like makes a movie about herself that's sent around to prospective dates directed by uh, I don't know. Tim Burton? Oh, Tim Burton, right, right. You, Tim Burton you, plays in the guy movie, who directs the movie. In the movie, movie. Yes, in the yes, movie yeah, it's yeah, Tim Burton's yeah, only yes. acting
1: role. Yep. And she says that he's the new Martin Scorsese. Yes.
2: Uh, and he convinces her to take her top off. Yeah. Uh, And then she watches like this dorky montage of guys, which yeah. is like kind of funny, but well, again, video, super broad. Her video's
1: made my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Her video's pretty her good. Her flying, it starts with a psycho homage. Like just the idea that like, they're selling, like, your video's going to cost more, but it's made by a real filmmaker. Right. And then it's just this filmmaker showing off his chops in a way that, like, isn't successful or functional at all as a dating video. Right. And then this montage of all the dating videos that are terrible. And then...
2: They're like, all terrible except for one, the bike guy. Right. And, and they're all like, yeah, the bike guy. Go for the bike
1: guy. <laughs> so she takes a bike to but the this bike thing guy. Where
2: it's like suddenly she's friends with Campbell Scott and Richard yeah. Fon- And it's like, oh, were they friends?
1: Okay. All right. Because previously she was just kind of in the apartment complex.
2: And she's annoying. Yeah. They're all annoying.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Other than Giamatti. Giamatti this... is
1: really good. Who? Giamatti. <laughs> He's really good. He's my favorite character in that movie. It's like... And
2: there's like these like other vague 90s early 90s shout outs like Keira Cedric works for Greenpeace type thing. And yeah. uh Campbell Scott works for the Department of Transportation and is trying to like get a new train in Seattle. A super train. And there's like a, I do like that. I think I think I, I could do he with a I do tacked on super. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> train 2 hyper train. Um or super train 2 super hyper train. <laughs> hyper super train. Um but like you know, maybe we could have done a little more with the train. Nah, it's just like, we know he kind of wants a train. And then there's yeah. this is one scene where Tom Skerritt plays the mayor
1: of Seattle. And he's like, no train for you. Yeah, the train's brought up very early on when Kira Cedric comes back to his apartment. He's got the poster and he explains it to her. And then it's like left on the ground for like 45 minutes, like a shard of a broken plate. And then... <laughs> and characters kept stepping on it and it crunches. Right. And then, it, like, and then 50 minutes later, it's, like, with all this urgency, he's pitching. I think it's supposed— Great,
2: great music. It's great su- coffee.
1: Yeah. It's
2: supposed to complete his, like, downward spiral, right? He, like, breaks yeah. up. He doesn't get his super train. Did you—
1: Okay, so as He a- leaves
2: a message, and she doesn't pick it up, because her 90s technology— Yeah, talking nice 90s technology. Her answering machine eats the tape.
3: That's how it goes sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. And also, uh, uh, garage door openers are a big plot point throughout this movie. Thank you very <laughs> much. That's I'm the- checking off my list. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, thing. That's like, I think the most Trump- dramatic check I've ever said. That was a full arm. So the-, the joke
2: is. Because there's that kind of awesome moment at the beginning of the movie. I love the opening. It's really great. That's probably where Kira, best part, Kira yeah. falls for this like Spanish guy. Yeah. Luis. And Luis, who is played by, let me find the actor's name. He's buried at the bottom there. Uh, Camillo Gallardo. His
1: visa is running up. He's going to have to right. leave he the country in two days. He gives her this whole spiel
2: where they kind of have this swoony romance. He's like, I got to go. I'm going back to Spain, but I love you. I, you know, they, they do they the amo. sex. <gasps> and then she gives him her garage door opener well, first, for some he gives her fucked her a up ring. reason. This is yeah. important.
1: He gives her the ring first, and is like, you know, I can't stay. If I stay longer, I won't be able to come back for five years. I'll come back in two months, but until then, here's something to remember me by. Sure. He gives her a ring, places her on her finger. Ooh, big gesture. And she's like, here's something for you. My garage door is always open for you. Hands him the garage door open.
2: That makes no sense. No. He's going to Spain. You need the garage door opener to what? Open your garage. Gotta get out. Gotta, gotta drive your car. But Cameron Crowe is like... Ah, I've, and this is a mistake we're gonna see him make yeah. a lot in his later movies yeah. where he's like I've hit on something that's a really great metaphor it's like it's like the modern wedding rig it's like yeah. the modern
1: pin for your go and say the garage door opener yeah. no the pen
2: no yeah
1: no I gave her my heart she gave me a garage door there's
2: opener. that fucking scene where they have sex and we oh see the garage God. door open uh, and close. Uh, the, you know because sex is a rhythmic activity right it's right. like punctuated with thrusting like yeah. you know well, usually in a sort of whole sequence is disgusting <laughs> <laughs> okay because in the fantasy where he imagines Xavier McDaniel well, telling like, him not to come you've cum. got close ups yeah. of their faces all sweaty and they're just like ugh uh, right no, and Ben's then you go by sex which is a natural human activity
3: and then you go to the basketball thing and I'm like and I said this out I'm like is this a fucking cum joke and goddamn it it was a yeah, cum well, joke yeah well I think actually that joke makes me laugh yeah I, I do
1: I, I think the jokes will execute although he does it better in Jerry Maguire
2: I mean so much better yeah because it's so fucking funny in Jerry Maguire yeah and we'll We'll get to Jerry.
1: But McGuire. I'll say this. So I, I saw this movie. I was like really into Gen X stuff when I was like 13 or 14 because I hated uh, the time I was living in. So I was like, different see. time so periods. So you were trying to, sure. Right? I was like, what are other sure. hip periods? Conjure, right. Right. Uh, so I like watched a bunch of Gen X movies and like listened to a bunch of music, whatever. I, I spent like six months Bought maybe. a chain wallet. Yeah. Yeah, I actually did. But I maybe even less than six months. Maybe like a month or two I was like in a Gen X kind of zone. And I saw this movie. Started taking swing dancing lessons. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Saw this movie, liked it a lot, bought it on DVD for this like $6, movie? bought it, never watched it ever again. Indeed. Like, why did I buy this? Because I want to be like, oh, look, I like a movie about 20 something. I mean, $6. <laughs> yeah. you eh, know. Um, know. But I hadn't seen it since then, even though I it. bought it. So did you watch it on DVD? No, because I think I sold that DVD at some point. So you watched I was it on like, Amazon X? I watched on Amazon X-Ray on my new Amazon Fire tablet. I
2: hate Fucking shill. Amazon's a great company. What are you oh, talking about? Fuck you.
1: Amazon's a great company. I mm-hmm. like all the stuff they do, especially their pilot. I watch this on iTunes. Ugh. Ugh. Parody. Call me up when they do an original series. Uh, they probably will someday. Original. It'll probably be I've really
3: expensive. Actually, all the movies on Amazon Prime. Yo and yo. It's a lovely service. Thank and you. Oh, they have a great catalog. Yeah.
2: I use it because I have an Apple TV.
3: Good so video player. It.
2: Yeah, That's really I great. Use I yeah. use it on my Apple TV. doesn't um, have Amazon. Okay,
1: well, uh, listen. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? My point is, uh, I only, like, going into this, mm. re-watching it, as someone who liked it enough the first time I saw it to buy it. Sure. At a bargain price, but still I bought it. I was like, I remember, like, none of this movie. And I was like, the only thing I remember, really, remember that the band's called Citizen Dick, right? Sure. And I remember one line from this film. And then the one line was not in the movie. Whoa, which one? I had It was very... You Had
2: Me at Hello? It's actually in Jerry Maguire. I had a
1: very distinct memory. Show me the
2: memory. money. That's also Jerry Maguire. <laughs> Rosebud. <laughs> That's Citizen Kane. Yeah, right. Not Citizen Dick. <laughs> uh, no, well, go ahead.
1: I had a very, a very specific memory mm-hmm. of in the scene where they're having sex. I didn't remember the Xavier McDaniel thing. Sure. I remembered it going to a close-up of his face, which is in the movie. And then over that close-up, there being voiceover of him saying, the most important thing in the world right now is that you don't come. Mm, that's not in the movie. No, which I re- stuck in my mind because I was like, "That's a gross line." I yeah, up it's being a like, "Fucked up." That's line. a gross moment because we the, get it. That's the
2: sentiment <laughs> of the scene.
1: Don't is, come! Don't come! Don't come! Xavier, Ma- right? Xavier McDonald telling him not to come. Sure.
2: but he does it at the end of a like, you know, boilerplate sports right. speech where he's like, "Hey, you know, anything else? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah we gave hundred blah, yeah. percent, blah, blah, and anything else? Oh yeah, yeah make sure. Uh, what is it? What's his name? Daniel? His name?
1: Uh, David? Steve? Campbell?" I just love that I imagined a terrible line from this movie and held it against the movie. I was like, yeah, but you know that fucking scene in singles where the voiceover, he goes, "Uh, the most important thing in the world right now is that you don't come? It sounds like a bad Cameron Crowe line, but you know, Cameron Crowe is better than that. Yeah, agreed. Especially now. Uh, You're actually
2: wrong about Giamatti. I just remembered. You're wrong. Dead wrong. About him being the best performance? Yeah. Who's the best performance? Victor Garber. With the mustache. You know how some Dark people say, hair. like, you know, LeBron James for the win. Victor Garber with the mustache in the billiard room. Yeah. With the best performance. The rose petals. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, he plays, uh, what's her name, uh, a redheaded friend who goes Sheila on the- yeah. Kelly's character Sheila of,
2: Kelly. uh, we already forgot her name, Jesus, Debbie.
1: Debbie, right, okay. Yeah, so, so Debbie's she picks, trying to meet a guy. Picks the bike guy, she bikes to a bike place. Picks the bike guy, there's a
2: whole sequence where she bikes to the wrong restaurant, yeah. bikes to the other restaurant, she missed it, her flat tire, bikes home, uh-oh, the guy ran in with a roommate. Played by up. Allie Walker. Yeah. She's an actress.
1: Yeah, and they uh were were in college together.
2: Yeah, they're like old college buds, and they're yeah. obviously flirting and they have like a conversation outside where she's like, I
1: saw him first, like I have dibs on this guy. And she really, makes Allie Walker. It's a Walker. real great
2: contribution
1: to yeah, uh, society actually,
2: and feminism. Hold on, I
1: wrote it down. Uh they, they agree upon uh, eighty dollars yes. for his dong. She wants two hundred dollars reimbursement for the dating tape, and instead it's eighty dollars for the dong. And dishes for the month. Dishes for the month. Mm -hmm. Dishes and dong for $80. Um, You think that's the end of that plot line that they've only spent five minutes on. Sure. Then she goes to an airport, and she's like, hey, can you seat me next to a single? single?" And the woman's like, I think I have just the person. And she's on a plane with, like, a 13-year-old. Ha,
2: ha, 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 (laughs) ha. He Uh, is single. Joke. joke. And then he makes a joke. He's like, (laughs)
1: I, can I
2: go out with you? Like, he's yeah. like, I got that whole joke. You know what's yeah, funny? Yeah. When uh, your little boys are like Casanovas. Jokey voice.
1: And then he uh, lands at the airport, and his dad, his divorced dad, who he was there to see, is uh, Victor Garber. VG, With a mustache. With the mustache! And the, he's got one shot in the film. No, he's got a couple. Really? Yeah, because yeah, it cuts, you, you know, Oh, them to him, together? Her, yeah. Her, to him.
2: And he says, the most perfect thing in the world, which is, the, those are great earrings I can't even remember what his line
3: is
1: yeah yeah. I uh,
0: thought
3: that
2: actually that guy was the,
3: one of the creepy guys from the dating video like one who's really close <laughs> to like I'm so alone
1: I thought it yeah. was like a call back to him that that moment's funny too when the guy goes I'm just so this, so 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 lonely
2: apart from the 1973 film Godspell uh-huh. uh huh this is basically his first performance really in a film obviously he was a major theater, theater actor guy. right yeah uh, and then after this, you know, he is fantastic in Sleepless in Seattle, which is the next year. He's one of uh, Tom Hanks's like sort of guy buddies. They so, have the scene where they talk about where they cry every time they watch The Dirty Dozen. Yeah. I've, I've seen Sleepless in Seattle several times.
1: That's some interesting overlap. He's gotta, in yeah. mixed Nuts. Oh, Mixed uh, Nuts. He's got to mix them First nuts. He's in First Wives Club. And then yeah. he's in a little movie called Titanic. Yeah, and he's in a little movie called La Gali Blonde. <laughs> he's in a little movie called... Milk. He's on a little TV show called Elias. Keep going. Yeah. And he no He played one half of like
2: Firestorm in the Flash. Oh, right. That half. The top That was
1: weird. Yeah. Um What to say about this movie? I mean, the the oh yeah, the other the main plot line we haven't even talked about because it's just so like boilerplate. We were okay. talking
3: about the the garage opener. Right, 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 wow, we right. That was a while ago. Yeah, yep. she
1: goes to the club. She sees Luis the day after, after she oh, told her friend that beginning. she thinks they're going to get married. Right, no,
2: I just like that because she just, yeah, right. She she thinks he's gone. She goes to a bar, sees him at the bar, and he just kind of goes like, eh.
1: And you think, okay, maybe this movie's going to be about the perils of dating. Like, different people, it's different relationships. trying to be a but little it, bit. it's mostly two characters in two different relationships, like, that stay throughout the film. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. You could see it being all these different combinations of people having all these little flings. Well, and that, it's like
2: the, Yeah, uh, right, cuz you do you want to talk about the pregnancy subplot? Is yeah. that Yeah, cuz yeah. that the fucking that is the worst kind of Hollywood plotting where it's like yeah. she gets pregnant why to spur a conversation. They can't have the conversation? Yeah. And like so she gets pregnant and he's like oh god what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And and he like proposes. And she says, "Don't make this a memorable chili dog. Don't make me remember this chili dog. Because it's a memorable chili
1: dog." You and then they get they to, don't even have to. Say so they're gonna get married. Then they, yes, take a bite.
2: They get in a fucking car accident, and yeah. she loses the baby like that. There's no trauma. There's nothing earned. No,
1: like the it. She just sort of wakes up, and she's like, "I lost the baby, didn't I?" No one actually even says yes. You're just like, "Yep." And then she wants to take some time alone, so she goes on a boat. And when she comes back, she's like, "I think we should just be friends." Or he says it first. He's mm-hmm. like, "You know, there's no reason we have to go back to the way." But he's on
2: it. the defensive because he knows she's feeling so, it. Uh, yes. Like she's into her work again. And then, like, he leaves her a message, and the tape eats it, and then, but then they get back together, and he, the whole thing fucking is yeah. so like predictable, but not in a fun way. You're just like, yeah, yeah. Well, she, he he calls her from a Soundgarden concert. Yeah, well, you know, we've all done that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've all gone gone to a Soundgarden concert. And gone to the phone booth, the payphone
1: at the at the, oh, excuse at the me. concert I just have hall to uh, make a check. Hey, check. check I do like that scene where he's in the in the payphone. And everyone's knocking on the door because they think it's the bathroom, and he's trying to leave this. No, and that, right,
2: that's always going to be the end of my joke. We've yeah. all gone to the payphone, and people have tried to pee. Yeah, in it.
1: yeah. <laughs> it is weird though that like the the and dick doesn't like play in this movie. No, I think we hear something because we hear a briefly. song that's
2: called like Touch My
1: Dick. Yeah. It's not actually called touch me, but it's me close dick. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Touch me, comma, dick. And uh, Pearl Jam plays the other members. Yeah, and Eddie Vedder's on screen, and they even
2: mention him in like a, in a review, a negative review. Yeah, I like that scene with the negative review.
1: Yeah, it goes, don't read anything negative, and, and they have so to skip like over like, the okay, paragraphs uh, that are about okay. how. Old. And then
2: they're like, oh, and the competent drum work of Eddie Vedder." <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> it's like the first thing. Um. But, but the band, definitely, like, for a guy who's so interested in music, the band feels like kind of an afterthought here. Yeah, I
2: think he does a better job with Almost Famous yeah, oh, at, at yes. having a fictional band. Um, yeah. But I
1: did hear he wrote, like, a full track list of what their songs would be. Uh-huh. You don't hear them perform. And Soundgarden, who were in this movie, were like, oh, those are good fake song names. And apparently Soundgarden, like, wrote a bunch of, like, Chris Cornell wrote a bunch of songs off of that. You know my name. Did he write, you know my name? Yes, that was based off of Singles. No, actually,
3: yeah. I did hear this uh, Spoon Man. Was Spoon Man is tracks. based
1: off of like the Soundgarden Spoon Man song. Spoon Man. Spoon Man.
0: <laughs>
2: fucking 90s, man. Is
1: based off of that was a fake song title from Singles, but he like. <laughs> Camera crow's like, ah, like looking around, he's eating cereal. Ah, Spoon
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Man. Uh, a great." Spoon
0: Man. <laughs>
2: The music in this movie, apart from, uh, you know, they pepper in a lot of the grungy, you know, yeah. tracks, but they also the music by Paul Westerberg of, of The Replacements. That's like oh. the, the score, quote-unquote, yeah. the little jangly little guitar music. And
1: this movie was shot by Tak Fujimoto. Yeah, it looks good. It does, actually. It I looks mean, we, pretty good. We said, like, you know, he's good at, uh, he hires good cinematographers. He's he zooming? hires good DPs. There's some zooms. Yeah, and I do like the classic Tak Fujimoto, like, direct address to the camera. Uh not just I'm I'm not um uh the scenes where they're literally monologuing to the camera, but when he places the camera so that the lens is the character's eye line and you're like placed in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing he did to very different effect in Silence of the Lambs. In silence. And he does yeah. it in the sixth sense. Yes. Um And I like that.
2: Me too. Uh another tidbit, Katie Rich, mm-hmm. former guest of this podcast. Past and Future Guest past and future the future guest. Her husband's sister—he was telling me this yesterday. I was yeah. at her birthday party yesterday. We, lived in the singles apartments? Oh wow! And apparently they had a lot of leaks. A little bit of info for you,
1: like leaking like a plot details from the movie Singles. Correct. Okay. Yes. No.
2: No. 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 Yeah. Leaking like CIA secrets. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah leaking gotcha. like a stolen sex cam. Video. Yeah. No. No. No leaks like uh, water. Uh, ben looks like he has a point that
1: he's eager to make.
3: Well, while we were on the subject of music, uh-huh. uh, some montages that were kind of problematic for me. It's touch me, I'm Dick. Okay, so. uh, um, what are some bad montages? Well, there is the scene, and it's like kind of a uh, recurring thing of the magazine stands. Yes, which I'm into. I love magazines. Right, he he, Great he 90s does 90s that technology. a lot. Yeah, yeah. 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 You don't yeah, get to it's touch, a little older than '90s, but it was still to touch in the '90s. don't Media anymore,
1: you know? The tactile media, touchy
2: media. Yeah,
3: but. uh, there's the scene where um after he blows it at the club mm-hmm. uh they see they run into uh what's her name Chris Cedric again, yep. yeah, and uh they play a little classic blues romance riff it's like what can you give us that romance riff? <laughs> well it's like bad blues like music
1: God I Ben can't... really
3: got heated up about this movie,
1: yeah, can you try to approximate the riff right now
3: yeah, it's like uh fine. It's like, She likes the better homes. Oh my god.
0: She likes the
3: Maxim magazine. You get it.
1: Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh,
3: And then there was a jazz part too, where I was just like, if this is about grunge music,
1: the fuck are you putting in this stupid shit? It's a weird movie. It's a funny little movie. So it's 92, and then Jerry Maguire's 95 or 96? 96.
2: Yeah, so and it's remember, this movie was made and like, shot in like 1990. And, 90, like, yeah, 91? It was like done yeah. by 91. Yeah. It was on the shelf for a year. Yeah. It comes out September 92. Yeah. And then, yeah, he takes a break, writes a movie about a sports agent who has an epiphany about his business, but then opens an independent sports agency with one client and also gets in a romance with a secretary from the sports agency and Tom Cruise decides to be the in it the biggest movie <laughs> in star in 1996 in the
1: world i mean you know cuz it's a good script but yeah. still that's that's something you couldn't write this shit you know i mean it's it's crazy that Tom Cruise did the film
2: it is, and we'll. I mean, we'll talk about that next week. I mean, that was when Cruz, I feel like, was like, I want to work with really interesting creative. You know, he was. Yeah. He picks De Palma to make Mission Impossible. Right. Like, you know, he's like, he's trying to make interesting movies. He's going to make. You know, well, he work only with works Paul with Thomas Otears. Anderson. Yeah. That was
1: like Cruz's thing. Was like, if you look at his movies for a while, it's like I'll do like I'll I'll do Pollock, I'll do mm-hmm. Scorsese, I'll work with De Palma, right. I'll work with, like right. he only and Kubrick. Yeah, yeah he only would make movies with tours for a very long while there. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess in his mind, going for Jerry Maguire was like a Paul Thomas Anthony thing of like, okay, this is a guy who hasn't totally like done the thing yet, but like, sure,
2: but I, I think he can pull this off. Like, I think this, yeah, right. Yeah. But like, with me on board, he can land the plane.
1: Right, but with Magnolia coming straight off a of boogie night, and with this year coming straight off a of single, it's, with Jerry it's true. Yeah, it's true. I, mean, I don't know, man. He took a risk. It paid off. He did. Yeah, but we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, I don't know what more I can say about this movie. Well, uh, I got some things. I got plenty of things. (laughs) Ben,
3: Jesus, Uh, what else? We got roses in the pregnancy aisle. All right, Ben's just ripping on random shit in the movie. That was fucking weird, man. (laughs) (laughs) Who does that? That's terrible. Anything else? Uh yeah of course <laughs> um okay daving services oh uh when you uh meet Matt Dillon's character he's
2: yeah. silk screening sure yeah he is yeah so Citizen Dick shirts it's true because cool. he's an artist
3: nineties technology check <laughs>
2: <laughs> boy oh boy Ben is genuinely he is- checking here he is he's checking off he's of adding check marks with path. a lot of flourish here's yeah. what Matt Cook of the Stranger which is Seattle's alt weekly said uh-huh. at the time. He's relying on the general hipness of our little burg and the star power of a few local musicians to make a bundle of dough, and he hasn't bothered to back them up with anything worth remembering. Yeah. They were mad about it. Uh, anyway, Crow says that Friends, which Friends, you know, is developed in the next year mm-hmm. and obviously hits our screens in '94. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it is kind of this sitcomified. It's the same idea of like, like the whole concept is just being single in your late twenties and you're you're a Generation Xer, yeah. You know, and like you have a bunch of jobs, you know. It's definitely a
1: movie yeah, about people having jobs, yeah.
2: All right, more stuff. <laughs> uh,
3: okay, um, when um, Fonda breaks up with her her uh huh. I like that she buys a ton of magazines. And then carries them up onto the roof with a landline, like a fucking boss, so she can take calls and she can just read magazines all day and night.
1: Wait, David, do you hear that? What? Uh,
2: no, no, you know, I I have one more oh, thing no. to say before it
3: no, happens. Wait. I what? hear something off in the all right.
2: what is, yeah, Wait,
1: <laughs>
2: what is
3: going? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, it's <let's> getting <laughs> closer.
1: It's time for the Burger Report. Okay. We're not done with singles, but I think we got a sneak attack okay, of burger. Fine. report. Well, have you got a burger report? No, is it pitching a bed.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wait, uh, what? Oh,
2: uh, <laughs> uh, okay. I don't. Ha- I don't have. <laughs> I don't have anything. I don't think I've even had a burger.
1: I had a burger. I don't. I haven't seen it. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Jim Carrey. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. Wow. He um, is this crazy Carrey, like Emma Stone loving Jim Carrey. Mr. Popper's penguins, Gary. <laughs> was he popping them penguins?
3: I think this was around the penguin popping time. <laughs> it was a penguin popping period, you could say. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, And he was, Uh, it was weird. He, like, really did not want to be treated VIP. Uh-huh. He was like, seat me downstairs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, And he was honestly such a nice guy. I didn't take his order, but I delivered his burger. Fair enough. Okay? Okay. And uh, I just remember him being with... Uh, Jenny McCarthy? No, he wasn't... It, this was, it was post that, for sure. He okay. was with a rando. Rando. Um, a non-famo? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I think he asked for
2: some ketchup. There you have it, folks.
1: do 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 do
2: um the I have report. I have one thing to say. This is this is a tidbit. <laughs> I like that it starts from far away. You keep doing that.
1: I'm going I'm going to keep that going on. Okay, one more tidbit, sorry. I just want a little burger. A couple it. of tidbits. i was feeling hungry. I want a little burger. Derek in on
2: July 5th, 2015, Derek Erdman, who is some fucking rapper or something. Okay. Some white rapper. Held a public screening of this movie at the courtyard of the Capitol Hill Apartments. Uh court, sorry, Capitol Hill's Coriel Court Apartments. These singles apartments. Uh-huh. The event was attended by 1,000 people. Despite initial concerns by the landlord, the event went off smoothly. The crowd was respectful and cleaned up after themselves. Reports of Bridget Fonda being in attendance were false. Burying the lead, it was actually her
1: Aunt Jane Fonda. Oh. What two-time Academy Award Jean- winner Jane Fonda? Great actress Jane Fonda was legendary like, movie star oh, and Rebel Rouser. I'm in my niece's
2: Fonda. movie down over in uh in Seattle. Oh yeah, I'll pop over
1: check it out. Also, who has ever visually mistaken Jane Fonda for Bridget <laughs> She's Fonda? Several years older, and they don't look that similar.
2: Jesus,
3: uh, well, that's
1: a very bizarre tidbit.
3: Yeah, you guys are kind of wigging out too. By the way.
1: As as dudes? What do you mean? Oh, uh, that's just a reference to the, <laughs> to the movie.
3: Yeah, they use they use like really old 90s uh like terminology that I just loved.
1: Can I throw something out there that I I that hit me while watching this movie? Sure. Uh I feel like w- watching this in particular, like Cameron Crowe is maybe responsible for a lot of what went wrong in American independent cinema. And I know he's not an independent filmmaker. Yeah, I mean there's a studio movie, yeah. I mean, but that's what I think is interesting is you watch this and you watch Say Anything and you're like, these would never be studio movies today, right? Yes. And that changes the tenor of everything because there's like a big difference if like you're a little studio movie mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, we'll give you $9 million. You're off right. the radar. We're not paying that much attention to you. Right. You have studio funding, but you know the movie's not falling apart at the seams. Right. And when you're an independent movie, when like the financing could fall out at any moment, everything's kind of being Everything's got to matter.
2: Everything's got to be ready. Right. When you get all the money together, you got to have a polished script, you right. know.
1: That's the thing. Like, even if you're a big budget independent film, it's still it's like danger zone all the time. Right? Danger zone. Danger zone. Um, and I look at this and say anything, and Jerry Maguire to a lesser degree. You know, um, both in the ways that they're successful and unsuccessful, respectively, as films. Uh, they uh were sort of this I this pushing this. Okay, so you go in like the seventies. Everything used to be high concept, right? Okay, okay. And then in the 70s, there's this shift to like high concept premises, but done in sort of this workaday blue collar way. Okay, fine. There's also the death of the studio system and all that. But, but I'm you know, saying the I rise think, of, you know, great directors. I think yeah. that is what comes out of the 70s, new Hollywood, studio driven, uh, director driven studio days. This sort of like, okay, French Connection is a cop movie, but it's a cop movie that doesn't function like a thriller. Yeah. Right? You can make it more sort of everyday. You can make it about in- I get incident I get and about, you know, I get you. character yeah, behavior. It's not about
2: he has to get addicted to heroin and then kick it, which is what The French Connection 2 is about. Very right. high concept, very silly. Right.
3: Oh, hey, speaking of heroin dealers, the guy from
2: Pulp Fiction,
1: he was the clown. Oh, Eric Stoltz is yeah. the mime in
2: this film. Yeah. And was and also the I party said, guy. I told him that he was not Say Anything, and Ben was like, oh.
1: He was the party guy who makes Cusack the keymaster. He gives Cusack the sack.
2: Oh, I, I, yeah. He's also I didn't in Jerry Maguire. Him. He's also yeah. in Jerry Maguire. Anyway, finish your thought because I want to do the box office game.
1: Yeah, because I do think that like Cameron Crowe spoke to a certain generation of burgeoning filmmakers who were like, "Oh, I can make a movie that's just about like people talking." You know, his movies were so low concept, sure. and they were just sort of character-based and dialogue-based. People were like, "Oh, it's just interesting characters and they're overlapping and they're just going through like daily life." Mm -hmm. And even a movie like this that isn't that great, you can tell it's written by a good writer. Like, it feels like a bad screenplay by a good writer. Okay. Who is sort of perceptive and detail-driven. Okay. And then I think all these independent filmmakers, like people in film school around the time that these movies are coming out, were like, oh, this is what I want to do. And you get a bunch of shitty, like, films, and now the films, like, um, so many Sundance movies today are the films inspired by the films inspired by the films inspired by. Well,
2: I don't think you can take it all the way to the present day, because I think this died. I think this died a little bit No, but I, I think do it died. You feel
1: like it's just like a little bit quirky. No, you're thinking of Ed Burns
2: movies. You're thinking of yeah, like- Yeah, fucking the, Ed Burns. movies. You're thinking movies. of the nightmare of the mid to late 90s and when Sundance is just all that. Yes. You know, all that's, that's white the guy movies, I'm whining I'm about jerking off and like, yeah. you know, falling in love with fucking, you know, TV girl stars like Jennifer Aniston. Like yeah,
1: it. fuck that stuff.
2: No, that's, that's, that's what you're talking about. And yeah. I do think, yeah, maybe Cameron Crowe definitely has some DNA strands, you know, in that sort of stuff. People took the lo- wrong but lessons I think, from him. Yeah. I think that has kind of- petered out a little bit. I mean, not that these movies aren't getting made still, but no. there's also other movies. And like you go to a Sundance, now, you know, there's a little more of a wider variety of uh, genres sure. available of, sure. of, of voices sure. making indie movies. Sure. And of course, there's more platforms, so it's easier to... Yeah. I mean, there's still... A, yeah. I okay. mean, I'm not going to diss upcoming movies, but okay. Oh, you know... Box the, office game. No, it's the craziest thing in the world. You'll never guess any of the top five. Never.
1: Okay, the Singles year-
2: opens at number three, four mil... It clears 18 total.
1: The year is 1992.
2: Yeah, September
1: 92.
2: I'll tell you that deeper in the box office okay, are yeah. movies like Sister Act, which uh-huh. has cleared up uh, 132. You've got Batman Returns all the way down there. It's got 160 million, but it's basically done with its run. My favorite of the Batman films. Uh, you've got Unforgiven, uh-huh. uh, which has made $70 million over the last couple months. And it will and it's win It's going best to go on to win Best year. Picture. Okay. Yes. Um, but number one. Well, it's a Phil Alden Robinson joint. Phil Nope. Sneakers? Yeah, sneakers. Who doesn't love sneakers?
0: Sneakers? Sneakers?
2: Is that the noise they make?
1: Sneakers? Have you seen sneakers? Yeah, it's pretty good. I believe you. I like sneakers, yeah. Good cast. It's fucking Redford, Portier, Ackroyd, mm-hmm. Phoenix, mm-hmm. Frithurn.
2: And that's, that's yeah, River Phoenix. That's when he's at his most like, cutie. Oh, he's so cute.
1: oh this but isn't,
2: duty. I thought it was Leaf. No. No, not
3: Leaf. No, and not Leaf slash Joaquin. No, before river.
1: you turn over a new Leaf, you had to go oh. down the river. Leaf's still pretty young at this point. Leaf's yeah. still
2: kind of uh, late teens. Okay. Okay. okay, okay. number two at the box-off. Number two at the box-off is a movie starring Kurt Russell and Martin Short.
1: Uh, captain Ron?
2: What the fuck is that movie? I've never
1: heard of it. you never heard of Captain Ron? No. Martin Short's on a boat? Captain Ron's a captain? Look, I mean, this all sounds great. <laughs> This all sounds great. They used to play on the Disney Channel a lot. Kurt Russell's like a boat captain with an eye patch. So is it like a, a kids' movie? Like, it's a, like a, a, a it, no, it's like a touchstone kind of. comedy. Is it like a Gone Fishing? <laughs> yeah, it's like a Gone Fishing. Yes, exactly. Sorry. I'd say it's analogous to Gone Fishing. <laughs> Martin Short mm. and his wife, uh, you know, are on on a boat, and they got a captain on the and boat. Kurt Russell sort and of he's sort uh, of a piratey, big, big funny captain guy. Yeah, and uh, you know, they're
2: mild mannered, and he's wacky. Uh, number four at the box office is an allegorical film by a major auteur who is going through a little bit of a tough time in the press because uh, he Husbands did a real wives? fucked up thing. Yep, The film is Husbands and Hubbies and Wives yeah. with Sidney Pollock and Judy Davis and Mia yeah. Farrow. Yeah, that's a weird movie. Who
3: was the director?
2: Woody Allen, Yeah, who had recently dumped Mia Farrow for their adopted daughter, yep. Soon-Yi.
3: Oh, she was like 13, right? Going to
2: see Cafe Society tomorrow. Woody Allen still makes films. Makes them once a year. Every year. That happened in 1992. It's 2016. You
3: you also could watch him play jazz music at the,
2: uh... Oh, yeah. uh, What is it? Village East or something. No, Carthright. The The, the
1: Carlisle. Carlisle. Carlisle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's our plug for the day is go see Woody Allen play clarinet at the Carlisle. It's only $80. Uh, Uh, Uh,
2: Number five is a great work of Jewish cinema starring Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, among other people. School Ties? Yeah.
1: Oh, boy. Okay, I want to go through the early 90s, baby. rest of the 10, what's six? Honeymoon in Vegas. Oh, oh, so Cage is, he's rattling around there. Yeah, he's rattling around. Yeah. You know, you got Young
2: SJP. What, what number, what week is that? It's number six, and it's fourth week. It's made $28 million. You got Single White Female, which was a a decent hit. So Fonda's all over the 10. She is, big Fonda. Yeah. Uh, You got Unforgiven, number nine, Hellraiser
1: 3, Hell on Earth. I was going to try to guess this. Not a
2: Hellraiser I've seen. No.
1: A lesser Hellraiser entry. Number
2: ten that. is a film called Wind. Never heard of it. Uh, Matthew Modine, Jennifer Grey.
1: Oh, it's a Modine Grey. Okay.
2: L- I've literally never heard of it. Yeah, that me movie. neither. Uh, you got Death Becomes Her. You got Pet Cemetery Two. Uh, Bob Roberts. Yeah, that's about it. Um, ninety-two. I- not, you know, not a. I mean, Unforgiven's a great movie, but not not a sterling year for cinema.
1: No, definitely not. Uh, Merchandise Spotlight.
2: Kidding me. Yeah, no, there was no merchandise (laughs) for
1: this movie. I was kidding you.
2: Is there any Jerry Maguire merchandise? I feel like there isn't, but there should be. There should be.
1: Like I, maybe there's a
2: Rod Tidwell uh, like fake uh, rookie card or something. I,
1: yeah, I feel like if that movie had been made like 4 years later there would be a Rod Tidwell doll. They would have made some like fucking talking keychain. They would have made something that said May- show me the money. There has to be a show me the money thing. Maybe not, maybe Cameron Crowe is above that. Like a big mouth
2: Billy Bass. Cuz they never even released <laughs> yeah. They never even released like a Stillwater record.
1: It came as a bonus disc on the uh, untitled. Are we going yes. to watch the untitled? I think cut? let's announce that. I think we're going to watch the untitled cut of Almost Famous, the bootleg cut. Mm. I think that's what we're
2: going to watch. Uh, by it's, the way, it's
1: Crow's preferred version.
2: The next weeks or two weeks from now, The Mighty Ducks comes out. So the first one. Yeah. in Oh, 10. so
1: American cinema is about to change. I yeah. mean, the whole landscape's about to be. And the last of the Mohicans, which is a really good movie. Right. So that undoes some of what Mighty Ducks does. So. <laughs> One step forward, two so
2: yeah, back. you know, I mean, singles. Yeah, it's you, out there. Like you say, it exists. It definitely exists. It has we, its fans. We watched it. We I, we were pretty dismissive, and I do feel like some people might be mad about that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I actually don't know. I've never met anyone who's really passionate about this movie, but I know they exist.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say maybe rewatch it, see if if, if it right. holds up. Yeah, I don't. It's not bad, up, but it just it feels, feels door feels it feels pretty inconsequential. Oh, David just handed me his garage door. Opener. Not yeah. the whole door. No, he handed me the whole door, and he handed Ben the opener. <laughs> and now Ben's hitting it, and I'm getting hit in the back with the garage door because I put it behind me. Um, uh, boy! Who's think, your favorite? Who's who, your favorite? Who's my favorite what? Of the four. Like, of not the four. in the
2: movie, just in general. Kira,
1: Campbell, Matt, and Bridget. Uh, Bridget Fonda. Bridget. I yeah. like Bridget Fonda. Yeah. Yeah, And I also, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. The fact that she's been gone for so long no. makes me appreciate her more.
2: What if Fonda came back? I would love that. It's funny cuz, you know, uh Quentin Tarantino obviously took it upon himself to get Jennifer Jason Leigh an Oscar nomination last yeah. year. And uh, you know, what if her single white female counterpart uh what if he does what if he brings her back? it Bring her back. I
1: would love to see her do anything, but, you know, by all accounts or say anything? I'd love to see her say anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'd you love like that, ben? uh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's just too busy uh, playing chimes on Danny Elfman scores. I don't know what she's doing. You know? Does she
2: do the chimes? Is she the chime I don't Oh, she's artist? married to
1: him. I mean, I want to believe they have a- Plays his chimes. Well, oh. God, David, come on. Well, oingo, boingo, isn't that, it? Is that, yeah, that oingo, she boingo? does oingo his boingo, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the chimes joke was out of line.
2: <laughs> what if it turns out Bridget Fonda's been listening every week?
1: I hope so Bridget. I mean please uh, come on the show if you're a blankie, Uh mm-hmm. it, you can be a guest. We'd love to talk to you. Yeah, if you want to talk about uh single white female? Yeah, we are only only single white female. Only. Yeah. I think I mean I don't I I feel like we're running out fumes now, right? Um, yeah, no, we're done. We're, yeah, done. we're yeah, done. done. We're done. We're done. This is where the soft a soft ending, you know. I feel like Oh, some breaking news? Oh. No, I don't think I can reveal this actually. But I'll what? tell you, I'll tell you off mic. Okay. It's second. not interesting. Wait a It's, second.
2: it's, it's a little tidbit from uh, Katie Rich.
1: Hmm? Wait a second. Do I hear something off in the distance? I don't know. What, what is, it? Uh, is this the orange da, twist file? The orange twist file. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's the orange twist file. <coughs> um, ben, ben, you can just say I don't have anything this <sighs> week. No, but you know he's got something. We got to end strong. Yeah. Um, Hold on one second. Let me open up the filing cabinet. Because
2: uh, it's the orange Twist file.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a file. Let That the sounds file. like
2: a, a '90s video game where you like, you know, open a cabinet, And yeah. make like a really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we flip through the files. <laughs> I don't think Ben has anything. Well, I've. I, I mean, I don't. I'm
3: not
1: allowed to say this. I think. Okay, what if you tell the story and you bleep the name out, so we know, and the audience at home don't hate guess. that. I guess that's okay. I like it. All right. So,
0: um... Oh, my God.
3: Has been known to have a bit of a drinking Uh problem.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
3: He was sort of a regular. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. All right. And would come in on occasion... (laughs) To have a nightcap. Sure,
2: yeah. How and many he, nightcaps?
3: Well, I think he had had a bunch when he got there. Yeah. And so, but he was a cool dude and, like, would chat with you and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? It was, like, there often enough. Mm-hmm. And one night we closed, but he stayed and hung out with the employees. Sure. And uh, we were all getting pretty drunk. Maybe even smoked a little weed. What? Yeah.
1: Token the reefer?
3: Yeah. And then we were all putting uh, uh uh songs on the iPod. Right. Okay. And he started picking songs and we all started dancing. And then that dude was naked. Wow. Yeah. Like how quickly. Uh I mean I was drinking too, but uh-huh. you know, were you naked? it was no, no, it was definitely weird. It was definitely okay. like all of a he was like, sudden, he was like Woo, we're doing this, guys. <laughs> yeah, here's my dick. You know? How is that dick? It was pretty good. Decent way? Yeah, it's a good dick. I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, But our bouncer had to put his clothes back on for him.
1: Oh, boy. So, uh, sort of drunk. Uh, Well, if you have any guesses as to who Ben is talking about, please tweet at, them at us, pod or email BlankCheckPodcast at gmail.com. We will not respond. No, you're never going to find out. No, but, you know, just have fun guessing. Yeah, I think it's uh, fun. Yeah, and, you know, share any other thoughts you may have with us. Um, I have a feeling this is going to be our least lesson two episode I don't mean that because of quality I just think people don't want to hear anyone talk about singles <laughs> but yeah, uh, it'll be yeah it'll, it'll be, be a whatever it'll yeah. be a little blip look I look, next, always next enjoy week Jerry Maguire Jerry Maguire Jerry Maguire's great yeah we're going to fucking show you the podcast yeah <laughs> are you ready Yep. for Jerry Maguire show me the podcast you had me at hello fennel ah! that came from one of our listeners I forget yeah, who, but someone good. tweeted that at us and it was really good uh, you complete my podcast. Y- you, you, y- yeah, fuck, yeah, okay. Uh, thank y'all for listening. Yeah, please rate, review, I'm sneeze. subscribe, <laughs> sneeze off mic, and uh, you know, and- whenever you do NPR, sorry Ben, that was uh, Ben looks disgusted right
2: now. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Uh, it's just allergies. Um, when you do NPR, they have a sneeze button. Yeah,
1: no, I've not here. Yeah, I'm and here. as always, and as always, David, mm-hmm. because I love you, oh. I'm going to be the one who says, "Bless
2: you." <laughs> Thank you. Forgot about that. I hate, that. I hate that. All he has to do is say, "Bless you."
3: This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy
2: Podcast Network.